Severe morning sickness, unexplainable mood swings, and drastic changes in your physical appearance are just some of the benefits of pregnancy hormones. With the possible exception of puberty, you've never been so affected by these natural chemicals in your body. I'm Dr. Wade Schwendeman, an OBGYN at Chart Mary Birch Hospital for Women and Newborns, and today we're learning all about the pregnancy hormones currently raging through your body. This is Preggy Pals, episode 49. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly, online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Preggy Pals Club. Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. You'll also receive a free subscription to Preggy Pals Magazine. See our website, preggypals.com, for more information. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free, get it free, Preggy Pals app. So there's nothing to lose. It's available in the Android and iTunes marketplace. And for those of our listeners local to San Diego, don't forget about the Your Natural Baby Fair coming up later this month. It's on April 27th. You can purchase your tickets online at yournaturalbabyfair.com. Use promo code MOMMEDIA for 15% off. If you don't live in San Diego, we'll be broadcasting live from the event. You can visit the fair website for our schedule of interviews, including Penny Simpkin, Dr. Bob Sears, and much more. So one of the things we love to do here at Preggy Pals is to read some of the emails that you guys send to us. We love getting emails about how the show has impacted you. And there is an email that I would like to read to you guys today. This is from listener Elizabeth Dunham. And seriously, this pretty much brought tears to my eyes when I read this. I just love it. Elizabeth says, I just wanted to say thank you for this show. I listened to this episode, and the episode she's referring to is the Precipitous Labor episode. I listened to this episode shortly before having my own precipitous labor of two and a half hours. I remember reminding myself of some of the comments and advice from your panel on the car ride to the hospital at 1.30 a.m. With contractions coming closer and closer together, I knew it wouldn't be long. So thanks for the education and love. I was better prepared thanks to all of your hard work, Preggy Pals. Thank you, Elizabeth. I cannot thank you enough for sending this email. And if the show has impacted anyone who's listening to the show now, if if the show has impacted you in any way, please send us an email. Leave us a comment on our Facebook page. We will read these comments on the show because I think it's really important for people to hear. And this is a community and we want you to be part of our show. So thanks so much. Today on Preggy Pals, we're talking about all the hormonal changes our bodies go through when we're pregnant. And Dr. Wade Schwenemann is an OBGYN at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital for Women and Newborns here in San Diego. He's also with the San Diego Perinatal Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schwenemann. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So what exactly are these hormones and how do they impact our body? Hormones are the way that your body tells itself what to do. Either the organ itself produces something that tells it what to do, or your brain produces something that tells a different organ what to do. 
They impact the body in virtually every way you can possibly think of. They're responsible for anything from uh, becoming pregnant to carrying a pregnancy successfully and breastfeeding after pregnancy. Yeah. And we always have hormones in our body, right? Yes. Every day there are hormones circulating in your body. Uh, They run the gamut from luteinizing hormone to thyroid hormones, estrogen, progesterone, things like that. Do we all have the same hormones or is there a chance that a woman could have a different type of hormone than another woman? In theory, everyone has the same hormones. Uh, But there can be something going on that can cause more or less of one hormone to be produced. People can have their hormones out of regulation, uh, and that can be a problem. There can be, you know, if one of your hormones is out of balance, you can absolutely have a a difficulty either becoming pregnant or maintaining a pregnancy, or uh, it can affect any other aspect of your life apart from pregnancy. And so if something's out of balance, that's when it's important to see a doctor. Yeah. And that could also cause some extreme symptoms, too, if things are kind of out of whack, right? Absolutely. One of the most common hormonal disorders is thyroid, are thyroid problems. And those thyroid disorders can cause anything from heat or cold intolerance to changes in your skin, changes in your heart rate. You can notice some pretty significant things. Okay. So when we talk about what a hormone is, I'm going to get, a, just for a second, a little bit scientific here. Sure. Is Is it a chemical that's in our body? I'm picturing little cells and stuff like that. Or is it something that's more like in the bloodstream? What are we, what are we talking about here? That's exactly what we're talking about. There's lots of different types of hormones, and they use different types of messengers inside your cells. Some of them bind to the outside of the cells and send a message to the middle. Some of them are taken into the cell and go directly to the middle to provide that message. And there are other subtypes as well. The difference is that um, different parts of the body use different types of hormone messengers and different uh, parts of your brain produce different kinds. So are these hormones, we, we mentioned that you always have hormones in your body, but the ones that are specific to pregnancy, do they stick with you throughout your pregnancy? Do they develop at the start of your pregnancy or is it kind of a mixture? It depends on the hormone that you're talking about. Okay. Some of the hormones that are uh, responsible for either becoming pregnant or staying pregnant are produced on a regular basis in your body during your month at predictable times during your monthly cycle, for example, or um, are produced in particular uh, amounts either during or throughout the pregnancy. Other hormones are produced either by the uh, ovary during the pregnancy only or by the placenta, which of course is only there once you become pregnant. Okay, so let's break down some of these hormones and and really get into the specific symptoms. So let's talk about the hormones, first of all, that are needed prior to getting pregnant and to become pregnant. Okay, Um, there are two main hormones that are responsible for a woman's monthly cycle, and they are the two that are primarily uh, required to get pregnant, whether you have them yourself or whether they have to be administered from the outside if you don't have enough. The first uh, that I would start with is called FSH, or follicle-stimulating hormone. That hormone is produced in the pituitary gland in your brain, and it causes development of multiple follicles on your ovaries. What's a follicle? <laughs> a follicle, a follicle is um, basically an egg cell and the supporting structures for that one egg cell. So each month, a woman actually develops between 20 and 25 of these follicles on average, and only one of them actually is selected to release the egg, in most cases, sometimes more than one is, and that's how women can end up with twins, or one of the ways women can end up with twins or more. Okay. Um, But these follicles are uh, selected by the body, and only one of them typically releases an egg. 
but the rest um, kind of just go away on its own. So every month we're developing, a woman is developing 20 to 25 of these follicles and usually releasing only one egg. For follicle stimulating hormone, there aren't really, unless the biggest thing that you would see if you didn't uh, have any would be uh, a lack of development of these follicles. And so that would be something that would have to be done to determine through a blood test more than anything else. With LH or luteinizing hormone, that's the hormone that's actually responsible for one egg typically being released in what's called the LH surge. This is also what the ovulation predictor kits that you can buy over the counter at the pharmacies, sure. that's what they test for, is for LH. Okay. So when you test and you test positive on those kits, you have recently ovulated. And that's when it's the best chance for you to get pregnant in a monthly cycle. Okay. And then are there any noticeable symptoms? You know, speaking of ovulation, a lot of our listeners are trying to get pregnant um, and they may want to try to time it. So, you know, how do we know when these hormones, you know, short of taking a test? I mean, are there any symptoms that we can tell with our body that this is happening so that we can try to get pregnant? There are a couple symptoms that we can use um, rather than taking like a, a urine dipstick test at the pharmacy. Uh, some women will use a basal body temperature and you typically see about a degree to a degree and a half of increase in your basal body temperature right around when you ovulate, right around the time of that LH surge where the hormone increases and it can cause that body temperature to go up. There's also a bit of a change in the consistency of cervical mucus and so some women will do um, a, basically a test to see how thick the mucus is. And if it's thicker, they know that they've recently ovulated. Um, other than that, occasionally uh, women will actually be able to feel when they ovulate. They'll say they feel what, a little bit of mid-cycle pain. Uh, it kind of feels like a menstrual cramp, but not for as long and not as severe. But some women can tell every month when they ovulate. I, I wish I could tell because I may have saved a lot of money in those hormone care, you know, the uh, ovulation kits and stuff like those that. Those things are expensive. They're not, it's not, uh, it's not cheap. They're, they're more accurate than the average basal body temperature test or the average cervical mucus test. But there's a, there's a cost involved. And so, it, you know, it's, it's cheaper than going through an IVF cycle, for sure. example. But sure. still, I mean, $60 a month adds up pretty it quick. Absolutely <laughs> does. Okay, well, when we come back, we're going to discuss the hormones you experience once you become pregnant. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back. Today we're learning about the different types of hormones you experience when pregnant. And our guest expert is Dr. Wade Schwenemann. He's an OBGYN at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital for Women and Newborns and the San Diego Perinatal Center. So in the first half, we talked about what hormones are as well as what hormones are needed to get pregnant. So now we're going to focus in on the pregnancy. Let's talk about the first hormone present after pregnancy. And we're all looking for this when, you know, we pee on the stick. It's HCG. Tell us about it. HCG stands for human chorionic gonadotropin, and that is basically 
um, the hormone that is responsible for maintaining the uh, pregnancy early in the pregnancy. It helps to stimulate the production of other hormones like estrogen and progesterone. It is the hormone that we test for when we're looking for pregnancy. Very rarely would someone have HCG present in their body unless they were pregnant. And if you have, a, if you do have HCG and you're not pregnant, that's definitely something you should see a doctor about. Okay. Is this also known as the human growth hormone? Those are completely different. Oh, they are? They are completely different. Oh, Human growth okay. hormone is a hormone that's responsible for the development of your body uh, during growth spurts, and it's the one that you see, you know, uh, allegedly baseball players and people like that taking to get stronger <laughs> and faster. Um, so even though we're creating a human now, it's still something totally different. Right. Okay, the, now the, 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 the baby that's being created will produce this the human growth hormone later and will develop into a full-grown adult eventually in, best, in most cases, or in best case, best case scenario. But the, the HCG hormone is responsible for uh, maintaining the pregnancy uh, and maintaining what's called the corpus luteum. Sorry to get a little technical, but yeah. it's basically where the follicle came from. And that, that area, if it goes away, will result in no pregnancy. And so we have to support that somehow. That the corpus luteum is what's responsible for producing progesterone early in the pregnancy. Later on in the pregnancy, the baby's placenta takes over. But if we don't have a corpus luteum, say someone goes through IVF, for example, they don't have that there, that we have to give them progesterone. And that, mm. But if they, uh, if they got pregnant on their own, the HCG from the baby will support this corpus luteum early in the pregnancy. That's a little technical, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but the bottom line is HCG is the critical hormone early in pregnancy, and it is the hormone that's responsible, for, unfortunately, for a lot of those early pregnancy symptoms that some of you are all too familiar with. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the one that we check for, and if women were to have kind of a concern for pregnancy, is the pregnancy growing okay? It's supposed to double about every two to three days. Two-thirds of women will see it double within two days, but if it doesn't double within three days, then we start to worry about is this going to be a successful pregnancy or not? Sometimes the pregnancy can be an ectopic. Sometimes it can just portend a miscarriage or just predict a miscarriage. But in general, if you're seeing that doubling every two to three days, that's a good thing. And that would be done through what type of test? It's only going to be able to be done through a blood test. Okay. Um, the urine kits that we get at, the, at any store will tell us about the presence of HCG or not. They're not going to tell us how much is there, just yes or no. And so a blood test done by a lab is going to tell us what level that hormone is at. And so if you're early in a pregnancy and you want to make sure that things are going well, maybe you have some bleeding or something like that, what I would say is you see a doctor or a nurse and they order the lab test and then you have another test in two or three days. And that, le and that level should double in about two to three days in, in the great majority of women. If it doesn't, that's when we start to worry about things. But if it does, hopefully things continue to go well. Right. When does HCG peak? HCG tends to peak at about somewhere between 11 and 12 weeks of pregnancy. And coincidentally, that's when a lot of those symptoms tend to be the worst. So women who have morning sickness and nausea can look forward to that starting to get better <laughs> right around the end of the first trimester. Okay. And so, yeah, morning sickness is the big one. What are some of the other symptoms we might experience? Uh, breast tenderness is another very, very common symptom that is caused by uh, the HCG. It, uh, you, as you start to see the levels fall, women start to, some of it is that you get a little bit more used to it, and some of it is that it's actually 
not as severe as it was before. So the levels fall because I'm assuming we our bodies don't need as much of it anymore. Can you tell us, is there an easy way to explain why our bodies don't need that? Yes. Um, basically, the HCG's job is to maintain that corpus luteum we talked about, which produces progesterone. At about 10 weeks or so, the, or usually around 9 or 10, the baby's placenta has taken over the job of producing progesterone. And so we don't have to keep the corpus luteum around as much anymore. We don't need as much HCG. Okay. Women with twins or more will often see a similar level of HCG to uh, women with one baby. It's not that much higher. You can't predict based on an HCG whether someone has twins or not. There are some very rare conditions which produce a lot of HCG. And if that happens, it's, a med- it's something that needs to be treated. And so that would be something we would follow up with very, very closely. But in general, um, there's a wide range of normal and just having a high or low HCG doesn't always mean something good or something bad. I know with both of my pregnancies, my husband and I kind of have this ritual of, you know, we pee on the stick. It says pregnant. We're like, okay, we need to confirm this with a blood test. (laughs) We make an appointment. Um, Usually just go into the lab later that day. You know, we usually have the results back by the end of the day. And and it's always like a measure of numbers, you know. I mean, can you tell us, for those of us who are able to access those numbers, um, what should we expect to see? It's usually like if it's below this, that means you're not if it's above this means well, you are i mean if it the urine test can detect as low as a level of 25 at okay. this point there are some ultra sensitive tests that can detect even less than that before you even miss a period okay but um it, it, it increases week to week right yeah. as it's going to double every two to three days if you have 25 at you know or 30 at week five and then you can get to the thousands by okay. the end of week five and okay. the tens of thousands by the end of week six to seven, you, and in the hundreds of thousands um, in the in weeks like nine or ten. But there's such a wide range of normal. Right. You know, it's, right. it's very, it's very to difficult say. to say with any certainty. Uh, there are some numbers that uh, in the medical community will use to say we should be able to see something on ultrasound by now. If the number's 1,500, typically we can see something with a vaginal ultrasound. Okay. If it's 2,500, uh, in most cases, we can see something abdominal with an abdominal ultrasound. But that's not always true. Um, but if you're at a number like that and we can't see something, it certainly bears close watching, more than just, oh, we'll see you back next week. Right. A little bit more right. than that, usually. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about estrogen and progesterone. So what are their roles in the body? Well, estrogen and progesterone have literally dozens of roles each in the body. Specifically, um, you know, estrogen is what induces the LH that we talked about earlier back before you even get pregnant. During pregnancy, estrogen is responsible for, uh, you know, thickening the lining of the uterus and making sure that there's enough good blood supply for the placenta to draw from so the baby can get all the nutrients that it needs. Um, There are some thoughts that estrogen increases the uterine blood flow. And so as you get farther along in a pregnancy, the uterus takes more and more of your blood volume. When a person's not pregnant, they have about five liters of circulating blood in their body. By the time they are delivering a baby or close to delivering, one liter is going to the uterus every minute. And so there's a lot there. Um, Your blood volume, of course, increases in pregnancy too, but in general, the the estrogen is responsible for increasing some of that blood flow. Estrogen helps to time the onset of labor, 
It helps to uh, prepare the breasts for lactation. And it helps to um, really, uh, you know, some th- there's some thought that estrogen helps with maturing the baby's lungs a little bit. Progesterone, on the other hand, is responsible for um, kind of relaxing the uterus, kind of decreasing the risk for early labor. There's uh, some thought that it helps to um, uh, prevent the body from rejecting a pregnancy. You know, half of the half of the uh, baby's DNA and material is foreign to the mom, right? right? Because it comes from dad. And so normally your body would try to fight that half off and cause a problem. Progesterone decreases that response and helps to ensure that the inside of the uterine cavity where the baby should be is uh, kind of a protected zone. It's a bodyguard. Yeah, it, can, it absolutely baby. is. It absolutely is. It helps to uh, kind of keep the the uterus quiet until it's actually time to do the delivery. And how will we know if this is happening? Like, what symptoms will we be seeing in our our bodies? Is there anything noticeable? Like, you know, if you have a lot of estrogen, you might be seeing these symptoms. If you have a lot of progesterone, you may be seeing these symptoms. Not as much. Um, the great majority of pregnancy symptoms especially early, are going to be from the HCG. Later in the pregnancy, uh, estrogen and progesterone will induce things that can cause some of those typical hormonal changes of pregnancy, but they induce other hormones to do it. They don't necessarily do it themselves. Things like uh, kind of the, quote, mask of pregnancy that you see Mm -hmm. is caused by a change in some of the skin hormones that are induced during during pregnancy by estrogen and progesterone. The same is true with the, the line that we start to see. And there are other hormones ones that are kind of, as things go forward, that are seen uh, to cause those pregnancy-associated changes. And by the line, we're talking about that beautiful thing that goes, basically splits your body in half in your belly, right? What is it? The linea nigra is nigra. what it's called once it turns dark. Before that, they called it linea alba, but uh, because it wasn't, it was white before. And those right. are uh, terms that come from, I think, Latin. Yeah. yeah oh my Latin, gosh. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're all familiar with that. All women get that? Not, I mean... I mean, no. Some cases are worse than I mean, others. Every every so. every woman is a little bit different. How much you know? How dark was your skin to begin with is going to help to say how much you're going to see the difference. But for the most part, almost all women develop some amount of skin color change, particularly on their abdomen. That is permanent. Yeah, I can still kind of see mine a little bit, but there, there's other issues with my tummy besides <laughs> that. At this point, after two kids, <laughs> these are the intended effects of these hormones. You know, thickening the lining of the uterus, causing you know, preparing. Uh, breast for lactation, things like that. But when you're when you're pregnant or when you're not, estrogen, for example, is also responsible for vaginal lubrication, right? It's the hormone that causes a normal vaginal lubricant to be produced. And so um, as some women go through menopause, one of the symptoms they experience is vaginal dryness, and it's because of the lack of estrogen. Well, in pregnancy, there's more estrogen circulating in your body than really at any other time in your life. And so you're going to see an increase in vaginal lubrication production. A lot of women will especially later in the pregnancy, confuse this with their water breaking because it's such an increase compared to what they're used to when they're not pregnant. It's a normal thing to have happen. But if you ever are concerned about something like your water breaking, absolutely you need to go in and be evaluated. This may be kind of a silly question, but if you're having a girl, would you have more estrogen in your body than if you're having a boy? It's not a silly question at all. The answer is no, um, because the uh, fetal ovaries are not particularly active in terms of production. 
you can see very rarely some uh, associated changes in a boy that would be aff- affiliated with the estrogen, but those go away once the boy is delivered and he's not seeing mom's estrogen anymore. Okay. So there's really no hormones that would be more present in the body for for one gender or the other? Is that fair to say or just not estrogen? I, I think that's reasonable to say. I think that in general, the gender of the baby isn't going to have a major impact on the way that the woman feels. Okay. Um, but talking about a little bit more about, you know, one of the you know intended effects, for, I'm going to go back to intended effects versus unfortunate, I guess, effects that mm-hmm. I would say. Progesterone, for example, has as its intended effects relaxing the uterus, relaxing the smooth muscle, the, body, the muscle that you don't control. Well, that's great, except for a, the fact is there are other muscles in your body that you don't control that progesterone also affects. And one of the big symptoms that we see from moms is heartburn. Okay, yes. it happens to just about everybody Me, at some point. Right here. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> and and oftentimes it's due to the progesterone effect relaxing the muscle that keeps your stomach closed. There's a muscle that separates your upper uh, throat and esophagus from your stomach where the acid is actually produced. And that muscle uh, is cl- you know it's usually tightly closed except when you're pregnant especially later in the pregnancy you tend to see a relaxation of that muscle because of the high levels of progesterone that relaxation allows the acid to come back up and some women end up having to sleep sitting up so that it doesn't so that gravity helps them out a little oh, bit that would be horrible it's pretty uncomfortable I took a pill that's what I did I, I was prescribed a pill that I took. And there are absolutely medicines that are safe in pregnancy. They're not going to hurt you or your baby to take. You can try natural remedies. You can try Tums or you can try uh, over-the-counter or prescription strength medicines. Definitely you need to talk to talk to your uh, your provider, whether it's a nurse or a doctor, whoever's taking care of helping you through your pregnancy. Those are the people that you want to make sure – that's the exact kind of thing you want to bring to them and say, I'm having this symptom – it's bad for me. Can you help me with it? And that's our job. I mean, our goal is to help you understand why and to help you get to, to make you comfortable. Right. Well, you know, on the lines of progesterone, I know with my first, I started having really bad heartburn at about 20 weeks. And with my second, it happened even earlier. I would say maybe starting, I don't know, maybe a month sooner than that. Mm-hmm. So um, for women who are pregnant to have subsequent pregnancies, you know, could we experience some of these hormones sooner or is it just that every pregnancy is different? It, every pregnancy is definitely different for sure. And so, yes, you can not every hormone effect is going to be seen sooner. Some are going to be seen later. Some won't be seen at all but uh, or won't be felt at all. The difference is that I think when it's your second pregnancy, you're more attuned to the changes. You know what to expect. And so you kind of are looking for... I was waiting for, for that hormone. <laughs> you're kind of looking for the things that happened uh, that were less pleasant. But on the same side, you also know what fetal movement feels like, for example. And so right. women often right. say that they can feel the second baby earlier than the first. Well, it's the same feeling they were feeling the first time. They just didn't know what it right. was the first time. Right. That kind of thing tends to happen. Okay. So let's talk about relaxin. What is relaxin and why is it important? So relaxin is uh, a hormone that's produced uh, in pregnancy that basically, I mean, it's very aptly named. It causes relaxation. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the great things that it does is it allows the uh, pubic bones to kind of separate a little bit. It relaxes the ligaments or the the, the the connective tissues that join bone to bone in particular. It also helps to relax the cervix a little bit, and it also helps to relax um, the uterus a little bit. But in general, the biggest effect in, for most women is the relaxation of the joints. Now, the great effect of this is that it gives you just a little bit more room at the time of delivery so that you can pass this 
big baby's head out through your otherwise small pelvis. Right. The problem is that during the whole pregnancy, it's also responsible for relaxing a lot of the joints. And it also, it causes some of the relaxation of the, of the muscles as well, but not as much. So that lower back pain that you get both from weight gain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and from baby weight gain uh, also is due in part to relaxing because the way that your bones sit together changes. And so you get a lot of pressure from the relaxant. It's a great hormone, and without it, it would be very, very difficult for women to deliver a full-term baby because there just wouldn't be enough space. The body is very tightly designed so that, you know, when you're not pregnant, Mm -hmm. the hormones, or um, when you're not pregnant, the space there is not necessarily enough to have, you know, say an eight-pound baby. And some women can have an eight-pound baby anyway. Right. But a lot of people can only have it because a little bit, I mean, a couple centimeters here or there is a huge difference in terms of the baby's size. Okay. So it's not like we're going to feel our hips widening per se or, or any of this, but it's 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 small spaces we're talking about. It's a small change over time. Okay. But I mean, if you were to compare the distance and the difference between, say, 12 weeks and 36 weeks, you'd see a noticeable difference. Okay. You might not, I mean, you might have to measure it rather than just say, I feel different. But you, there. If we were to measure it, there'd be a noticeable difference. Relaxin's also responsible for some other. But the problem is, just like most other hormones, it doesn't necessarily have a specific target. And so you'll see other things relax. There's a lot of, for example, ligaments in your foot that relaxin will cause to relax a little bit as well. Some women will see a change in their shoe size after pregnancy. <laughs> not just not just from feet swelling, but actually yeah. from a change in the way the bones are aligned. And they don't always go back the way they started. <laughs> So you may have to buy some shoes after after that's, you have this baby. <laughs> that's a convenient excuse, right? We love shoe shopping. There's absolutely no reason not to get some shoes. When will we start to see, or when does relaxin start to present itself in the body? I mean, is it right after conception? It's at about 10 or 12 weeks is when relaxin's really produced in the highest levels. However, it takes a while for it to do its job. And so you don't always see the effects or feel the effects as early. And also, the baby isn't that big at the beginning. And so the physical space and the gravity of just the baby and the weight of the baby is going to help to use relax help relax and do its job by separating that pelvis a little bit more as you advance in the pregnancy okay so let's move on and talk about oxytocin tell me what oxytocin does so oxytocin is the hormone that's responsible for causing contractions and it's the one that's responsible for production of milk Um, It helps to produce milk later in the pregnancy along with prolactin. But oxytocin is the one that basically says, okay, it's time to have this baby. And so what happens is estrogen and progesterone increase the number of receptors or places that oxytocin can join with your uterus. And once it's time to have the baby, the oxytocin that's produced naturally by your body joins with the uterus and causes those regular uterine contractions. It also, um, you know, it's also responsible for causing contraction after the baby and placenta are delivered. And so what you see is a decrease in blood loss because the uterus is nice and tight. The doctors will often give you a shot after delivery, and sometimes you might even need a little bit extra before delivery to cause the uterus to get those regular, predictable, strong contractions that'll help push this baby out vaginally. Okay, so when when we say and is the the medical version of it pitocin? Is that that's okay. that's the synthetic the oxytocin? Synthetic, that's correct. Okay, got it. I thought there was a hormone that your body released to help you deal basically with with pain with with stuff like that that maybe you get after the baby comes out are there hormones that go through your body that 
like, whew, I just accomplished something really big. There's definitely a release of, of hormones after that time, and there's a lot, and that's what will cause a lot of the women to have those baby shakes that we see after delivery. It's a very common, very natural thing. But um, no, that's, I, I think you're thinking of endorphins, maybe? Oh, maybe. Kind maybe of I'm like runners of get with a runner's high. Okay. Where they, your body says, I've, and it's, and you're absolutely delivering a baby is without a doubt one of the most amazing things your body can do. Uh, and the fact that you've done one is absolutely a huge, done a delivery is a huge source of uh, satisfaction and accomplishment. And so you deserve every bit of those things that you get. <laughs> so absolutely. Bring them on. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you know, I've, I, I don't know how many deliveries I've attended anymore. Probably it's in the thousands for sure. And every single time it's an amazing thing to be part of yeah. because it's just, you know, it's a woman and her body, her family's there and it's just so wonderful. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can only imagine how great it is for them. Well, thank you, Dr. Schwenemann, for being here with us today and for sharing all this great information. For more information about our expert as well as our panelists that are on our shows, you can visit our webisode, no, visit our episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, we're going to talk about what hormones or what changes may stay with you after you have your baby. Sometimes we think that it's all going to magically go away after the baby comes out, and that is isn't necessarily the case. So stick around for that. If you want more information on how to join our club, visit our website, preggypals.com. Before we wrap with today's show, here's Jeanette McCulloch with some of the best online pregnancy resources. Hello, Preggy Pals. I'm Jeanette McCulloch of Birthswell. We at Birthswell believe that you as a mother will make the right health decisions for your pregnancy and birth when you have access to evidence-based information and a strong support system. That's why I'm here to share with you new media tools to find the information that's right for you. Have you decided where you are having your baby yet? A small but growing number of women with low-risk pregnancies are choosing to have their babies either at home or in a freestanding birth center. 100 years ago, nearly everyone gave birth at home. By the 1950s, 90% of all women gave birth in the hospital, mostly with obstetricians. Today, most of us are unfamiliar with what a birth center or home birth might look like, especially with a midwife. Midwives are considered to be experts in normal, natural childbirth and provide care that is centered around the mother and her baby. This means that your midwife will monitor your well-being, provide you with individual attention and education, and minimize interventions at your birth. Because midwives are experts in low-risk birth, it also means you'll be referred to an obstetrician if you need extra care. One of the benefits of midwifery care is fewer interventions like cesarean births and episiotomies. Of course, midwives deliver babies in all settings, from hospitals to home births. But for those of you considering an out-of-hospital birth, the website mothersnaturally.org gives you all of the information you need to decide if a home or birth center birth is for you. On the site, you'll find research on home birth safety, natural birth stories, and details on what to expect from a home birth. You'll also find a searchable database of home birth midwives, a due date calculator, and a week-by-week newsletter designed especially for women planning a natural birth. There's also the latest installment of I'm a Midwife, a video series designed specifically for mothers 
to hear midwives speak about the passion they bring to their work. You can find the site at mothersnaturally.org. Thanks for listening to today's tools for finding the information that's right for you. And be sure to listen to Preggy Pals for more great pregnancy tips in the future. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we're talking about baby-friendly hospitals. What does it mean, and does giving birth at one of these hospitals really make a difference? This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.